I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. It was uh, 50 years ago this past September that Dave Barrett's NDP government took office in British Columbia. Bob Williams was there, one of Barrett's closest confidants, and soon to be a sort of super minister. You uh, read about those 39 months in office and more in the new book, Using Power, Bob Williams and the Making of British Columbia. It's a highly readable book that charts the life of Williams from his birth at the Salvation Army Home for Unwed Mothers in South Vancouver to growing up near the uh, then city dump around Still Creek, where the Italian Cultural Center is now. He comes from working-class East Vancouver roots. He later finds out who his father is, the son and grandson of uh, good socialist stock. Bob's grandfather was Bill Pritchard, who was uh, Reeve of uh, Burnaby, B.C. during the Depression years and was one of the leaders of the 1919 Winnipeg General Strike. Bob's great-grandfather, James Pritchard, was a founder of the Socialist Party of British Columbia and the Socialist Party of Canada near the turn of the 20th century. Bob narrates his compelling life story in the book, becoming a city planner in Delta, uh, to uh, elected as an alderman on Vancouver City Council, then the B.C. legislature in 1966. The Williams legacy once in office as cabinet minister include uh, Whistler Town Centre, Robson Square, the Agricultural uh, Land Reserve, the Insurance Corporation of BC, and many other projects. I'll get Bob, who joins me now, to reflect on some of his notable achievements in his career and more. His work later as a bureaucrat when the NDP was returned to office in 1991 is written about in the book, as were his times on the Van City Board and even owning the fabled Railway Club. The book is written with uh, Benjamin Isett and Thomas Bevan and is from Harbour Publishing. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online program, Bob Williams. Mr. Williams, good morning. Morning. Thanks for joining us. Do, do you wish that you uh, had written this book sooner? Ah, good question. Um, uh, not really. Um, and and uh, I started it a decade ago, I guess, and, and then went back to it and Thanks to my editors, uh, uh, I got down to work, and uh, and I enjoyed doing it. It's a pretty dense book in terms of, of how to look at, say, public policy, how, yes. how to how to govern, um, especially you know your your, your thoughts on, on on forests and um, uh, economics and the sort, and and how governments should. As the title of the book says, use power well. Um, we'll talk about a number of these things in just a second. But how, how did you, you mentioned your editors, um, I said and Bevan? How did you guys work together in terms of uh, putting oh, this book together? Uh, erratically, uh, partly because of my availability and uh, and other projects uh-huh. uh, amongst uh, the three of us. But uh, uh, fortunately. Uh, you know, my first editor uh, caught me when I was ready to start producing, and I was going down south and uh, having time to write. And uh, my second editor, Thomas, is my assistant for, well, continues to be my assistant to some extent. And uh, so it was just patching together the best time for each of us. But uh, I did start a decade ago, and... Uh, I I think the time for reflection was useful for me and improved the book. So what can I say? 
Yeah. It, it's a, a fascinating uh, timeline, if you will, because it's it's 50 years since since the uh, NDP first formed government. Indeed. Yeah, and then, uh, but but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, get to that in a sec. But I had a chuckle when you were uh, talking in the book about your your run for Vancouver Council. You oh, actually yeah. used the slogan "A Better City." I guess oh, that's where right. Ken Sim got it, right? <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he he looks like an interesting fellow. Yeah, um, was uh, there's a Marvel story in the book about um, getting politicized? Um, you know, you come from good leftist stock, if you will, your grandfather, your great grandfather, but yeah. it was a friend of yours, Mary, who um, told you to go see John Diefenbaker, and and I guess it was after seeing Dief that that really pushed you to get involved with not not the conservatives but the CCF. Indeed, uh, Mary's view was that whatever party. Uh, you know, turned your crank. You should spend time with it. That democracy depended on it. She was a red Tory and converted to the NDP ah. <laughs> over the years. Yeah, yeah. And and um, was elected office. To, I guess you saw that early on as the path to get things done, right? Yes. Uh, after Mary, well, I mean, I was working on my master's degree when that happened, and. Uh, uh, I went right downtown and uh, joined the CCF and uh, started g- getting active locally in the riding and it was sort of standard form after that, except to say that the riding was the safest NDP seat in the province, and uh, I loved the people there and vice versa, and so, you know, there was no contest. I uh, uh, I had become a city councillor, and... Uh, Everybody had made up their mind that they wanted me as the new MLA, and the former MLA uh, wanted to go. So that was that. I only had two years on city council, but it was great fun, and I accomplished quite a bit and um, and ran unopposed uh, when the provincial riding came open. There's a story in the book about um, one, one of the things you did on city council, and, and it's hard to believe... Um, even though it was more than 60 years ago now, was yeah. uh, that you couldn't run municipally if you didn't own property. Yes, that's right. And I was able to give a speech uh, based on the UN principles, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I ended up getting a majority, uh, which nobody expected. And so we changed the rules. And, and that's a majority, including people on the right. Oh, indeed. Uh, you know, uh, I, I was able to befriend... Uh, Aeneas Bell Irving, who was, uh, you know, a classic uh, um, family in the city. Establishment and, family, and, yeah. Yeah, and we uh, we really talked turkey. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I guess that's something that, that's, um, I mean, you're known as a, as, as a tough partisan, you know, you were in your years in, in the, the B.C. legislature, yeah. um, holding the government's feet to the fire. But, but at the same time, you're able to cross political oh, lines oh, and work oh, with yeah. people. That's important, and isn't it? it? It really is. And I'm, you know, something of an academic, so uh, in part of my history. And uh, so I, I see a lot of this stuff uh, more like a political scientist rather than a politician. And uh, I've been flabbergasted that the political scientists uh, weren't the least bit interested in how and why and who we were in that first socialist government, it, yeah. it's a, actually, uh, 
it doesn't say much for academe. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, um, the thing I enjoyed in the book was, was you really getting down to um, sort of the differences in that government, you know, the, between, the, say, the Cokes who were pro-labor and, and people like Alex McDonald who were probably not as, um, as such and people like yourself. There's an old Webster clip on YouTube when you were running for the, uh, the by-election in 1984, um, and he describes you to the right, uh, it, 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 to, it, to the right uh, side I, of things I, in the I, in Arnold Webster does? No, Jack Webster. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not sure he knows the difference. <laughs> but but uh, that's what was fascinating in terms of, of the, we think of it as, as uh, you know, an NDP government in those three years in, uh, in 1972 to 75, but th- there were differences within within the party itself, and and um, you talk about that quite honestly. But people you you liked and didn't like. Sure. Uh, yeah, but the uh, the truth is, we uh, we we really loved each other that uh, original cabinet, and uh, you know, and so we were able to have a huge amount of trust, and uh, and get up and go. And uh, we did. You know, there's been no equivalent since. Yeah, there's been 39 months, and just to think of the accomplishments that, that you all had. A- exactly, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just at a meeting with Glenn Clark, and we were reflecting on that. Yeah. Um, were you the, the closest minister to Dave Barrett? Um. I guess physically, your uh, offices were close, right? Yes, that's true. I think, uh, yeah, and we'd both gone to the high school uh, in the east side, and uh, he had, we had a great respect for each other and uh, and trust. And, um, yeah, yeah, and you know, he had a generosity of spirit that was wonderful. Yeah. Calling the election early in 1975, um, for, for my read of your book, it, it was it was um, I forget the name of the bureaucrat, um, Mark Ellison. Yeah. So so was he the one that really pressured that? I mean, it, it, certainly yeah. you, you wouldn't have gone, right? No, I had been in the Maritimes and just gotten back, and they were seeing it as a fait accompli. Uh, but uh, I had a lot of faith in Barrett, uh, but uh, I, you know, and there was uh, Ellison and. You know, there is a Jewish thing between the two of them, which uh, complicated things a little bit, I think. Um, and I keep wondering if if the the um, the government had uh, the Barrett government had 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 a second term, even what would have been accomplished? I mean, do, do you think about that? Oh yes, I mean uh, some of the stuff I've been working on ever since. Yeah, I believed in decentralized uh, management of the province and. Uh, had we uh, remained in power for just another term, uh, we would have accomplished a lot. You know, the, the bureaucracy has no imagination whatsoever. And uh, I was learning on the job on a grand scale from running timber companies to you name it. And uh, on the basis of my, just my own growth uh, during that period of if we'd had another term, it would have been dynamite. We would, uh, we, we would have finally recognized the real regions of the province and uh, empowered them and taken 
control away from the the tired bureaucrats in Victoria who are still there. You know what? What's funny is you mentioned bureaucrats. Um, you write in the book that you and Barrett learned a lot from W.A.C. Bennett yes. in terms of how he managed things. Because his bureaucracy was was not as as big as it is today. Certainly, right? Uh, no, it was totally thin, and they re- relied on their own abilities. And uh, we, in turn, relied on our own uh, abilities. And after I was there a while, I I finally I. I threw up my hands uh, about their capacity and uh, then said, well, that means there's no dumbbells to stop me. Let's go. There's a funny story in the book that, that um, um, even even long-distance calls, they, they were monitored, weren't they? Or not monitored, but they, 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 they were, were disallowed. <laughs> they were simply disallowed. <laughs> yeah. and, and when I mentioned it much later, yeah. the civil servants who had told me didn't remember. Mm. <laughs> uh, Bill Bennett was, was he a little harder to to get to know? Say, yes, I, I think he was a he was very able, uh, and so there was some of the the fathers know how there, um, and um, he, um, he 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 took on some projects that got him elected, obviously, and mm-hmm. were very profound in some ways, um, but he was a mixed bag. He uh, he was proven to be an inside trader later in terms of the forest sector with Doman, mm-hmm. and he, um, um, but uh, his capacity was very high, uh, despite being uh, a non-high school graduate, I think. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he... Uh, he feared me, I'm afraid, because I'd tracked him and his family work uh, and corporate work earlier and nailed him on some very substantial issues. Uh, but uh, I must say, uh, I think he was a very capable premier, despite uh, really taking on the job to show his father what he could do, I think. Yeah, yeah. There were a number of subgroups that you actually liked, people like Ray Williston. Very much so. Uh, he uh, was essentially the deputy minister and the minister. Mm-hmm. And he suddenly said that the last two ministers that actually ran the department were himself and me. <laughs> uh, uh, Socrat that uh, wasn't a nice guy was Waldo Skillings. But he was dumb, so it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> you were actually neighbors, weren't you? Yeah, right next door in uh, you know, the Shaughnessy Heights of... Uh, uh, Victoria Rockland, mm. and uh, you know the neighbor and Waldo was on one side of us, and uh, another local millionaire was on the other side. I don't know why we bought in that neighborhood, but but there, it was such a bargain. Uh, real estate in Victoria was as cheap as borscht. Mm. So, yeah. um, you write in the in the book near the end that that uh, being gay wasn't something that you acknowledged earlier because it did it didn't seem relevant. Um, or, or seem to be relevant. Thinking about that time that you were confronted, say, 30 years ago, more than 30 years ago, yeah. by that Socred, and, and he intimated what he knew about you, uh, do you regret stepping aside when you did? Uh, no, I uh, knew how to be a bureaucrat uh, and uh, really make use of that power. And, uh, you know, I, uh, 
um, I really found that uh, being a senior bureaucrat uh, was more powerful than being a minister, and that's certainly true today. Yeah, and and uh, you you helped in the transition um, of the, the Harcourt government, I guess, in 1991. And, and yes, I drafted the whole transfer myself. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you uh, look back at, at that NDP government of 1991 to 2001 and? Uh, knowing your experience with the Barrett government, um, regret that it was not as successful, say? Well, you know, you you, you get the animals that get elected, uh, and, uh, you know, there had been agreement I would be a deputy minister for Crown Corporations for a couple of years, and, mm-hmm. and Mike lived up to that, uh, but uh, it didn't uh, carry on. Uh, after the two years, unfortunately, although I was playing a role at BC Trade and elsewhere that was su- significant. Um, uh, but do I have regrets about how it all happened? No, not really. Um, I think I accomplished in that two years uh, and, uh, and lose stuff afterwards enough to be happy with it all. So... Um, you know, and uh, and who knows uh, what ministry I would have got, and uh, how uh, the premier and other powers would have responded. So, all in all, I I'm surprised that I lucked out. <laughs> wasn't it? All it takes is a tough yeah. game. Well, wasn't it Mark Ellison again who, who uh, was probably responsible for you not continuing on? Uh, yeah, no, I uh, I was totally trusted Barrett's judgment, uh, and I shouldn't have. I should have insisted on more details from Mark in terms of his analysis of our opportunities to win. Yeah. Uh, he he clearly uh, wasn't adequately informed. Yeah. I guess there was a, a thing in the book where uh, you, uh, you were you were deputy to Mo Sahota, um later on. Yes. And he wanted to bring Ellison on. Uh, unfortunately, it was it was me. I was deputy, and I lined up uh, Ellison. Oh, I see. And uh, unfortunately, yeah. well, what comes across in the book, Bob, is is uh, just how much of an East Side guy you are, and and you oh, really? remain through through and through even now, right? Yeah, and uh, Glenn's uh, comments uh, on the back of that book mm-hmm. are immensely generous. And, uh, and, uh, he, um, and he's, he's proved to be, uh, an immensely capable businessman with Jimmy Patterson. You know, it's the biggest privately held company in Canada. And, he, and Jimmy, of course, started it and got it underway. But Glenn has polished it with tremendous know-how. And his whole point uh, in the back of my book about working-class intelligence uh, is uh, more than justified, yeah. <laughs> although it sounds snobbish to say that. But we, <laughs> tend, we tend to buy the bullshit, yeah. the dance of the seven veils. And, uh, because I ended up getting into the forest business right away, uh, I was able to associate with those folks and realize that uh, you know, guys like me and Glenn had more than enough to uh, fill in in those areas. Yeah, as someone who grew up on the east side, um, it, it really um, 
it's just great to hear that that one can can live here no matter what we're told wherever we live in the city. Yeah, but you know, uh, the truth is, we don't have that many entrepreneurs, mm. and and so you know, most of the old families here have made money in speculating in real estate. Yeah, they think they're entrepreneurs, but they're <laughs> not. They're Henry George freeriders. You yeah, know, yeah. they really are. Yeah. And yet, you know, and then if they inherit it, they're even worse. <laughs> <laughs> and so what can you say? It's uh, it's this beautiful town and this beautiful location with not a hell of a lot of know-how. Could you have imagined, Bob, I mean, you're turning 90 shortly, yes. um, how this city has, has evolved the way it has? I mean, you're going back to your early years on council to where we are today. Well, it's it's dynamite. There's no question about it. No, I I don't think I I did actually uh, see the the kind of future we've had. Uh, a lot of it is, you know, others that came in and speculated. Uh, you know, after Expo, uh, mm -hmm. it really happened. But uh, it's not a lot of know-how, you know, to uh, sort of see where the hot property is and uh, make a ton of money off of it. You know. Just their more recent years with uh, Jimmy Patterson, uh, they've been you know, gifted with uh, zoning bonuses from the city that are outlandish. But many of the others are in the same boat. We've we've given away uh, a ton of uh, our assets. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and that goes back to the title of the book because I, I think a lot of people don't trust politicians, right? Because they don't use power well. Um, right. What should people in public service do better so that power is used as well as it can? Well, they 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 have to uh, understand uh, the principles that Henry George uh, operated by, and once they do, uh, and uh, we have to reconsider the nature of property rights in our society, and um, uh, once we really. And, and the city, to some extent, is doing that. I mean, the amount of money they grab from developers on uh, new projects is very substantial, and it funds a lot of civic government without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, and in, in you know, in the Patterson case, uh, they simply responded to, to Jimmy's proposal on uh, Burrard Street uh, by saying, "But we'd like you to build more." <laughs> And they'd already paid for the land. So it was simply a gift that the city shared with them. Yeah, yeah. Most uh, people don't know that's what's happening. Indeed, indeed. Um, you talk in the book about your time at Van City. Yes. Um, I had Carol Taylor on the show last week, and, and she had nice things to say about Tamara Vrooman. You, you do as well in your book. I, I do indeed. And she was Deputy Minister of Finance before that, uh -huh. which I didn't consider great background, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I'm sorry to say I'm the only one. I, I, I got back on the board, and they'd had a committee looking at hiring, and uh, because I knew the nature and the value of bureaucrats in Victoria, yeah. I, I'm the only one that voted against her. Really? Uh, but I, of course, would be first in the lineup now. Yeah. yeah you also touch on, on um, uh, the Railway Club. Uh, it's such an yes. iconic music venue, owning and running that. That was a family affair, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Uh, all of us were involved, uh, but 
the the real player was uh, our eldest daughter Janet, who just knew the music industry so well, and actually on the side was uh, manager of Spirit of the West for ten years. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, the the, the it's, it's a marvelous book with marvelous stories. You end the book talking about, say, reflecting on. Um, you were interested in Roosevelt at one point in, in the WPA. Yes. Do, do you think something like that could even be possible in this country, B.C. even today? Well, uh, indeed, I do. You know, the, the um, immense value of this province, uh, most of which we just give away, is, is there to be managed. I'll give you an example, and I think I mentioned the, the value of the mountains. I mean, uh, I, uh, the forest industry, which ma- you know manages our mountains, mm-hmm. uh, uh, basically dumb us all down by saying they're just working on fiber. But uh, I spent a decade or more with Van City uh, in Italy and and their co-op movement in uh, Bologna, and it, it's a transformational. A doctorate in economics to visit that country and those places. Mm-hmm. And in the northern region of the Dolomites, uh, it's half Austrian and half Italian, and was uh, uh, picked up by Italy after the second, uh, the First World War. Uh, and in, and they're very touchy uh, in Rome about c- controlling those border regions. And so they saw the potential of the mountains, and they ended up providing money for vertical uh, transportation as well as horizontal uh, uh, movement. Mm -hmm. And uh, who else in the world is doing that? None that I know of. And yet they have these wonderful peaks in the Dolomites, and they link them to the villages so that it was sort of the know-how of the two uh, ethnic groups that they benefited the Italians ran the hospitality industry, and the Austrians understood the nature of the mountains and their economics. And it's a wonderful marriage. And so you get, you know, I, I would guess there's probably a hundred different lifts in the Dolomites, or maybe way more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they justify the settlement in the valleys. And it's a marvelous uh, combination. And we've only begun to see it here with Al Rain, mm. uh, who I worked with, and who's a marvelous, able man, and uh, and the new lift uh, in Squamish. Right. They, they are dynamite in terms of money makers, and the holders of the licenses in those areas now are the forest companies, who are who are stupid managers. They're simply stupid managers. Yeah. I mentioned a moment ago that you're turning 90 shortly. You really don't stop in terms of thinking about how to make this place a better place, right? No, I'm. I know in my discussions with Glenn Clark this morning, we ended up having three hours comparing notes. Yeah, he's, he's you know he's basically running the biggest private company in Canada. Yeah, and sees all these opportunities everywhere. And you know, my experience is uh, limited to BC, but this is the place to be yeah. in Canada. Yeah. Bob, it's been such a pleasure to, to speak with you today. Thanks for this, and and uh, it's it's a, a marvelous book. Congratulations on it. Well, thanks very much. The book is called Using Power Well: Bob Williams and the Making of British Columbia. It's written with uh, Benjamin Isaac and Thomas Bevan.
and from Harbor Publishing. It's author Bob Williams. Join me on the line from here in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Planta. <laughs>